So when I made the decision to go to seminary, it was mostly because I wanted to study the Bible more. Um, I have had this deep love of the scripture since my 13th birthday, where I fell in love with the Jesus I found in the Gospel of Matthew as I hid in my brother's bedroom from the rest of the people that were at my party. And I like to think, I, I want to believe that my preaching is in alignment with what the Scripture teaches. But not only that what I preach is true, but the, the culmination of my preaching also reflects the breadth of truth that is in the Scripture with a fair balance, that I'm putting the same amount of emphasis on those ideas as you find, as you read through the Bible. Now, I'm constantly challenged by the Scripture, and I deeply appreciate that. In fact, it's one of the great joys of my life as a pastor, is that the Scripture continues to reveal new things and, and to challenge me, and I, I love that most of the time. But, but when it comes to thoughts about the kingdom of God, I, I recognize that that my preaching, and I think most preaching in, in the Lutheran church as a whole, uh, is a little light. You see, we, we love as Lutherans to communicate the truth of the gospel, the grace that we have through faith in Jesus Christ, the salvation that we have through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that's great. But the truth is, as we see this most clearly in the Gospel of Matthew, that John the Baptist, as a forerunner of the Messiah, preached, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but that was John the Baptist. The thing is, is when Jesus comes on the scene, the first thing we hear in Matthew is those same exact words coming out of the mouth of Jesus, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then on top of that, we have this emphasis as we look at Jesus' teachings and especially at his parables over and over again, we will hear Jesus say the kingdom of God or in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like. And it's very clear that Jesus wants us to understand the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So, what's my excuse? Why, why haven't I or we as Lutheran pastors done a better job at preaching about the kingdom? Well, in part it's because it's a tough concept, let me uh, share with you uh, two quotes, one from an Old Testament scholar, uh, Graham Goldsworthy. He says, God's people in God's place under God's rule. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's God's people in God's place under God's rule. Okay. And then we have this uh, Ron Rhodes from Dallas Theological Seminary who puts it this way. God's present spiritual reign 
over his people and Jesus' future reign in the millennial kingdom. God's present reign with his people and Jesus' future reign in the millennial kingdom. See, the reality is it's a now and not yet, and that's the thing we struggle with. The kingdom of God is both present and yet not fully realized. It is a current reality, but in the future we will see it in its full reality. Well, that's just all very difficult to figure out. We, we think about kingdom, well, actually, the truth of the matter is, is we rarely think of kingdoms at all, kingdom at all, right? We're Americans. And do I have any, any uh, British people in the room? No, no, no transplants from England or anything? Any, Saudi Arabians, anybody? Anybody that's had a king before? Yeah. Yeah. See, we don't have kings. We have presidents, and we have governors, and we have mayors. But we do understand what it means to have someone in charge. Someone sort of where the buck stops. Someone who is responsible for enforcing the rules. In our case, as a representative democracy, we have you know, votes and all that, Congress and all that nonsense. But let's, let's just sort of hear this summary then of the kingdom of God and see if we can't just get at least a little bit of a grasp on it, maybe just a fingertip grasp on it. The simplest way to understand the kingdom of God is the realm where Jesus Christ reigns as king and God's authority is supreme. This kingdom exists here and now, in part, in the lives and hearts of the redeemed. Who is that? Amen. As well as in perfection and fullness in the future. I like to put it this way. The kingdom of God the authority and power of God is wherever you are. Because God promises to be with you, wherever you go, God goes, and wherever God goes, God's kingdom comes. If Christ reigns in your life and in your heart, then the kingdom of God follows you around. It is wherever you are. The influence of God is at work in and through you. But imperfectly. Right? So, if I were to say to you, uh, the kingdom of God is wherever people are obedient to God, then would you say the kingdom of God is where you are? How many of you are obedient to God? Uh, you, yeah, yeah, hesitant, yeah, yeah, it's like this, right? It's like most of the time, half of the time, at least some of the time, I'm obedient to God because that's, you see, that's our problem. We recognize our own imperfections. What is the speed limit? on Highway 85, right outside the door here? <laughs> Jerry says it's 80, right? <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what my speedometer says. 
It's 65, in case you're wondering. And, and it is 65, even if people don't drive 65. The, the rule still is the rule, even if people aren't obedient to it. And sometimes, when you're not obedient to it, you pay the consequence. Right? I was coming to church this morning. I'm usually going with the flow of traffic <laughs> in the fast lane. But this morning, I wasn't. This morning, I was a little mellower. Not sure quite why, but I was. A little mellower coming. And sure enough, I go under an overpass, and there's a highway patrolman sitting right there keeping his eye out. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm glad it's not a normal Sunday morning. We, as God's people, ought, that's that should that I hate so much, to seek to follow God's direction and rule in our lives. As disciples of Jesus, as believers in Christ, we should seek to follow God. But we also should not beat ourselves up when we fail. We should instead acknowledge it and ask God to help us to do better. This, this story of the, of the kingdom of God, as described in these two very short parables, the, the, the treasure hidden in the field, and, and the man finds it, he discovers it, he digs it up, and then he buries it again, and goes back home and sells everything he has to buy that field so that then he will own that treasure, right? Right? Come on, I need a little extra help this morning. The, the, the second very short parable, the, the, the parable of the pearl of great price, um, the guy's actually a pearl merchant. He's looking for a great pearl. And he finds this great pearl, and again, he goes home, he sells everything he has, and he comes so that he can buy this incredible pearl. The kingdom of God is like this. So I'm thinking, well, if I compare my wealth to the world, I've got a lot of money. Or at least a lot of valuables that I could sell to get a lot of money. Again, relative to the entire world, not relative to you guys, relative to, to, to the world, right? I mean, we, we Americans are, are rich beyond the wildest dreams of most of the globe. And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe to get this great treasure... Maybe we only have to sell a part of what we have, right? Because we're going to have more money, right? And, and, the, and the purpose of the parable is to say that we have to buy this thing, this kingdom uh, treasure, right? Isn't that the purpose of the kingdom? Let me hear you say, no. That, that's, that's not what this says. That's not what this is intended to mean. What it's intended to mean is 
if it cost all that and more, it would be worth it. It's not saying that we have to buy it. It's not saying that the goal is is that we find it so that we can acquire it. The goal is to say it's worth more than anything else we have. It's worth everything we have to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's simply that valuable, but we don't buy it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to claim it. Rather, it is a gift from God. And as a gift from God, we are called to treasure it. And so I want to ask the question, why did Jesus choose such a poor parable? Why is it that, that this parable is there? Why, why is the, there even a, a talk about selling everything you have and coming and buying it when that's not the way it works? Why would that be there? What does it mean? And I want to suggest to you it means that that stuff can distract us from the value of the kingdom. We can miss the value of God because we're too preoccupied with that stuff. I'm about to make my wife really mad at me. Sorry, sweetie. We recently acquired a puppy. And in the last day or so, uh, we have had multiple conversations about whether or not Marilyn should come to church today and leave the puppy at home in the crate, or bring the puppy with. Because the puppy is still very small, and, you know, it's, it's a half an hour drive, and then an hour of church, and then an unknown amount of time talking to people after church, and then a, a half an hour drive back, and that could end up being two or three hours. Is that too long to leave the puppy in the crate? So should Marilyn come to church today and leave the puppy at home, or should she bring the puppy with, because I have an office with a little playpen for the puppy, and it only has to be then in there for an hour. She brought the puppy to church. It's in my office. There was a day, however, when we first got the puppy, when Marilyn chose not to come to church to stay with the puppy. Now, I must add... We do offer church online, and she did watch it. (laughs) But when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the fact not that we make one decision to sell everything and go buy it, but we make decisions every day relative to our priorities. And, And we may or may not be mindful as we journey through the day about the presence and the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in our lives to be his disciples in the world. Last Saturday, uh, our dean was here, and she was meeting with um, our folks talking about the process of the call, and she asked the question, what, 
what evidence is there of St. Timothy's mission in the world? Where, where is it? How is it that we're active out there? And uh, a number of things were mentioned. Fish was mentioned. Fish people, good job. Uh, uh, city team was mentioned. Those of you who help with city team. Uh, a couple of other things were mentioned. And I was, I was sitting right back there where you are, and I was going, bad answer. Wrong answer. But I, did I say anything? No, I did not. But it was the wrong answer. Because the truth is, the strongest evidence of St. Timothy's doing mission in the world happens in your home and in your workplace and in your neighborhood. It's not a matter of choosing whether or not you're here or there. It's a matter of recognizing that the kingdom of God is wherever you are. That, that the witness of God is available to you in your life, that God is sending you out, and that those other places you go between Sundays is the place where the mission of God really happens through his people. And the more aware of that we are, the more we recognize the presence and the power and the guidance and the love of Christ in our lives, the more we're able to give that expression to the people we see day in and day out. That's where the kingdom of God powerfully is. And often in that journey, we will be called, called to choose to do something for another rather than for ourselves. We will be called to use the stuff that we have in service to Christ as we bear witness to his kingdom. Maybe it's giving someone a ride in your car. Maybe it's bringing food to someone who is sick. Maybe it's using that cell phone to be in touch with someone or to forward that message. God is at work, and he wants us to recognize that everything we have is a gift to be used as we go. Therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, it does say, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. It does say, find a way to evaluate those things that are tugging you away from being a follower of Jesus and let them go. Don't let them continue to cling to you to prevent you from doing what God wants you to do. I, was, see, I found this next slide uh, online, someone else that was preaching about the kingdom, and it says this, we must love God above family. We must love God above personal convenience. We must love God above material wealth. And I'm thinking, and when we don't, then what? Does that mean we're not disciples anymore? Does that mean that we don't get to go to heaven? Does that mean that God won't use us, won't stay with us, won't be present with us? And everyone said, no. No, the the truth is that the value 
That this treasure, this value of the kingdom of God is so strong that even when we mess up, God doesn't. Then even when we fall short, God doesn't. He will not let you go. He will find a way to call you back. Repent and believe in the kingdom, in the good news. The kingdom of God is near. God is for you. He's sending you out to be a witness to him. We, it, we should, we, we, we can, we should seek to love God above all else, including our personal convenience, including our material wealth. We should grow in our understanding of God. But I got news for you, that's a lifelong journey. This, this growth of faith, this, this ability to discern, to discern God's voice and calling in our lives. But God is at work. And if we see something tugging us away, if we see something preoccupying us, causing us to worry and doubt, then we need to let that go and let God strengthen our faith. My son, Paul, is a follower of Jesus and a uh, an elder in his church in Phoenix, and he works as a physical therapist. And uh, you may or may not have been praying for him in the last few weeks because uh, for the last, I guess, 10 days or so, he's been in Kenya on a medical mission as a physical therapist and a worship leader. And you can't really see it uh, very well uh, in this picture, but um, oops, the, the, the picture on the left is a, is a woman who came to their medical clinic who's been bent over, probably more than I am right now, because it hurts, uh, 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 for years. And so they came and talked to the physical therapist, Paul, and they said, you know, are you, will, you, will you talk to her? Will you, will you see her? And he goes, yeah. And the second picture is her in that blue uh, sweater standing straight up strong. How awesome is that? And so my question was, what do you do? <laughs> you know, what, what, what treatment did you give her? You know, did you do dry needling? Did you do massage therapy? Did you have her stretch or twist her? I mean, what did you do? And all we were told was that Paul, through the interpreter, asked her to point her chest to the sky. And she did. How do you explain that? I don't know. You know, what I want to have happen, what I, what I think the story ought to be this morning, if I could make it up and tell a lie, I, I would like to say he prayed for her and God did a miracle. And that might have happened, but that's not the story we got. We don't even know if anybody prayed for her. She came, Paul said, stand up. She did, and years of being bent over goes away. Can you explain that? Uh, there might be an explanation. Paul, when he gets home, might say, oh, this, this happened. I don't know. But what I want to say to you is that very often, very, very often, the kingdom of God, the power of God at work through you is not explained. 
It's not explained as a miracle. It's not explained as science. It's just that God is at work. And sometimes, by faith, we're able to just see, isn't God good? God is showing up. And therefore, we're giving Him the glory. And it's worth everything we are to work for the King who is here and present and reigning. The power that, rose, that raised Jesus from the dead is the power at work in his church. And yet there are times when we struggle. There are times when we wonder, why is this happening? Why is this war happening right now? Clearly the perfect will of God is not yet being done in our world. Why are we sick? Why are we suffering? Why do we need surgery? What's, what's going on, God? Can't you just make it better? Can't you just say, point your chest to the sky and have all that back pain go away? We don't have an explanation. Romans teaches us today that Sometimes through that struggle, God grows us. That, that often the, the hardships we go through, God is able to use for our blessing and to bless others through us. But it doesn't fully explain why there is evil in the world. There's just the reality that we as God's people, we as God's servants, we as those who carry with us the kingdom of God can speak into the brokenness of this world with love, with healing, with grace, with companionship to walk with people along the journey to make that burden at least a little lighter. And we will weep with those who weep and we will laugh with those who laugh all the while trusting in the goodness and love of Christ. Jesus paid it all. And it's not just to all, all to him we owe. Jesus, I give my life to you because you gave your life to me. May I today be just a little better at honoring you in my life. Amen. Please stand.